0: If you are able to remain standing, please do so and take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Corinthians 4, we'll begin at verse 7 and read to the end of the chapter, verse 18. Hear now the word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. With you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The grass withers, the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. On Sunday morning we looked at the first six verses of 2 Corinthians 4 and we heard Paul speak to us concerning the gospel, the, the ministry of the gospel, the ministry that Paul and his associates, how he preached the gospel. They were not like those who were, were cunning and deceitful. Those who tampered with the word of God. If you heard Paul preached, you knew it was the very word of God that he was proclaiming. But he also spoke about the veiling of the gospel. That the gospel is veiled to those who are perishing. We saw why. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of Christ and the gospel. And then finally, he concluded with the light of the gospel. It is that light that shines in the darkness. And that also shone in our hearts. To give us that knowledge we need of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so as we continue on this morning, we come... Uh, to verse seven, we we actually begin a a new segment this morning that runs through verse ten. So, Lord willing, over the next two weeks, we will cover this segment. And in the, this segment of this letter of, of Paul, he introduces to us topics that that differ from the preceding context. We find in this segment of this epistle a a mark a marked contrast between. The body and the soul. Between earthly troubles and, and heavenly glory, between mortality and immortality, we, we will hear words very similar to what we heard in, in 1 Corinthians 15, that great chapter on the resurrection. But as Paul speaks in our text this morning, he's not just addressing. the church church at Corinth. He is addressing the universal church. He's addressing us. Paul reminds us that we are all mortal. What does that mean? That we will all die as long as the Lord tarries in His coming? We will die. We will face the grave. But then he places that over... Against the sufficiency of God. And and what awaits us as true believers in Christ. What awaits us as those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Because again we look at the world and what do we see? Darkness and death and sin. And even for us as believers there will be times where we will suffer great affliction. But as we learn for this morning, it is but just for a moment. And then the glory of Christ. The eternal weight of that glory will be ours. So there are three things that Paul brings out for us here this morning. We begin with jars of clay. Number seven, Paul says, but we have. This treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Now, what is that treasure? It is the light of the gospel that he spoke of in in verse 6. And so we have that gospel light. And now Paul says we, we have worthless clay pots to put it in. Paul is contrasting the supernatural power of God and our human weakness. We have this treasure, Paul says, in jars of clay, earthenware, pots. Now Paul here is referring to everyone who has received and possesses the good news of the gospel, the light of the gospel. The treasure that we have is that Gospel message of Jesus Christ that we have received from Him. And so Paul tells us that this message is a, a priceless gift that we carry around in jars of clay. And we know at that time clay pots would contain everything from worthless, worthless things to wealth, from foods to liquids. They would be used for all types of, of, of purposes. And, and, and Paul says, we have this treasure, but it's, it's in these jars of clay. Now, now, why does Paul say this? Well, to show us the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. He says we share the light of the gospel to others. It's not our strength that we, we need. It is God's. We need the Holy Spirit to to give us the right words, to take us to the right scriptures. And you see, it is God's phenomenal or great power that will do that for us. And what is that, that great power? Our mind goes back to the Old Testament. We see the great power of God. We see that it is God's word that created light. Let there be light. There was light. It was God's Word that led Israel out of Egypt. It was God's Word we come to the New Testament that raised Jesus from the dead. It was that same Word that called Paul to be a a missionary to the Gentiles. And so God's power is revealed where? In us. Now, in the eyes of the world, we are of no account. You realize that, right? You realize that as a Christian in the eyes of this fallen world, you are of no account to them. Now we see this throughout history. We, we understand why the church is, is so much persecuted today as it has been throughout the history of this world. We, we are of no account to this fallen world, but we have authority in the gospel. But yet here are these jars of clay. These earthenware vessels. And so that authority is not human. That's what Paul is getting at. We, his authority was not an authority according to a human origin. It is God's authority. It has its source in God. And then he continues on in verse 8. We, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not Destroy. Now Paul is obviously speaking of himself and those men who also were called to go and preach. But he's also speaking to us. As, as God's people we are in, afflicted in every way but not crushed. Now what is that term afflicted? It is to be in a, a situation in which, in which one bears the pressures of the surrounding world what Paul is is getting at, to to be in such a situation where we are bearing the pressures of of that surrounding world. It's to be crushed, almost to be pressed in on every, every side. Paul says, but we are not crushed by that weight. He says we are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Paul says that he despairs over nothing that he has great optimism but we've already heard one time that Paul did despair of his life but that was a single moment in time for Paul even though we we are perplexed we are not to be given over to despair and we'll see why in just a little while in verse 9 we are persecuted but not Forsaken here, Paul portrays not only himself, but us as a fugitive. A fugitive being hunted down by our adversaries. Yet at the last moment, we are able to escape. There's much persecution going on this morning of God's people. More and more persecution is coming to us here. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Paul here gives the imagery of a wrestler who throws his opponent to the floor. And, and so Paul is lifted up and thrown down, yet he is not yet passing away. He's not yet been, been destroyed. And so all of this is happening to God's people. And he says in verse 10 always carrying in the body of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Christian, you're always carrying around in your body the death of Christ. Now Paul and his co-workers, they they experienced Jesus' suffering and death in their body. More than once, Paul has mentioned for us the, the sufferings of Christ in relation to himself. Paul could testify to to physical suffering, to being beaten with rods for the cause and the sake of Christ. Paul carried around in his body those scars. He could lift up his shirt and show you the scars that he had received for the sake of preaching Christ, the light of the gospel, and following Jesus. And so Paul is saying that the death of Christ We are always carrying around. But there's reason for that. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Imminent death was a constant companion to Paul. He never knew. One day he could be brought uh, brought forth before the authorities and, 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 and be put to death. As a preacher and as an apostle. But it was that way so that the life of Jesus could be revealed in Paul. The resurrected Lord constantly strengthened Paul by renewing his life. And then in verses 11 and 12. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Every moment that we live, our life is to be dedicated to Christ. That's what we are to be as Christians. We are to be wholly dedicated to Jesus. Now why? Because He is wholly dedicated to us. It's pretty simple, right? If one is wholly dedicated to you, then in return you should be wholly dedicated to Him. That's how we are to see the Christian life. Again, there's no aspect of our our living that is outside of the Word of God. If we want to know how to live, we go to the Bible. If we want to know what to do, we go to the Bible. If we want to know what is sin, we we go to the Bible. And so our life is always dedicated to Jesus and the gospel. And, And again, Paul was surrounded by this danger. It came from many sources and many people. And Paul was being delivered over to death. And so are we. Now you might say, well, none of us have been delivered over to death. For the sake of Jesus and his gospel. Well, we haven't yet. Jesus himself tells us, does he not? They, they persecute me. They will also persecute you who are my disciples. Christian, it is coming. It is coming to, to us. We We pray that it it may be softened, but it is on the way. Do not fool yourself. Persecution, great persecution may well be what God has in store for us. But when we are delivered to death for the sake of Jesus. When we suffer as Paul suffered, as others suffered for the sake of Jesus. Why is that we do it as Paul did it for other believers? So that they, by the grace of God, would not suffer. Verse 12, he says, death is at work in us, but life to you. Death was working in Paul. Why? So that the Corinthians would have life. Death was working and and all that Paul would bring to Corinth so that the Corinthians would have life. Now that doesn't mean that the Corinthians would not have to suffer. It doesn't mean that the Corinthians may not even suffer to the sake of death for the cause of Christ. But Paul would go first so that they would have life. As we know, the the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And so that light of the gospel are in these jars of clay that one day will die, will one day will pass away. But then, second of all, Paul reminds us of the resurrection. In verses 13 through 15. In verses 13 and 14, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believe, and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into His presence. Paul says here that we as believers, we have the same spirits of faith. Even though in Paul's life, he was repeatedly delivered to death. His faith in God, his faith in Jesus was, was strong and this always allowed Paul To communicate Christ's gospel. And he says we all have the same spirit of faith this morning. We all believe and therefore we are to speak. If we have faith in Jesus, we are to speak of that faith. Let me ask you, how many people did you speak of Christ with this past week? One, two, ten, none? Paul tells us we are to be speaking. You see, our our internal faith comes out by what? By external testimony. You know, when you are admitted to the table, what is it that you do? You come and you give an external testimony of what has happened internally. You give a confession of faith, and, and then you are allowed to come to the table. That's part of our confessing, but we're to be confessing to all by, by obediently confessing the gospel of Christ. We give evidence of our faith, and we testify that we truly do belong to God's family. And as we do that, we know something, don't we? We know as these jars of clay are perishing, as these bodies as we'll see in a moment, are getting weaker and weaker each and every day. We do this knowing that God raised Jesus from the dead, knowing that He will raise us from the dead. As Paul states, knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and bring us into His presence. How do we know this? By faith. By faith we know these things to be true. By faith we know that whatever happens to us, regardless of what happens to us, that God will raise us up one day and we will be with Jesus forever uh, in the presence of the glorified Christ. That is our hope, isn't it? That is your hope this morning as a believer. That is your hope. If you're ever told to, to forsake Christ and live or, or give confession to Christ and die, that is your hope. In that moment. That's the hope that Paul had. And he goes on in verse 15. For it is all for your sake. So that as grace extends to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. For all these things happen Paul says. To do what? To see the grace of God extended to more people. Now you see that in what we call the early church after the death of Christ. The apostles, they are persecuted. They're driven out of Jerusalem. Some die in Jerusalem. Others are, are sent. But they eventually all die by, by persecution. Except one. They were martyred. And what happened when when they were martyred, what happened to the message of the gospel? Well, well, the people saw that this was a real message that, that men weren't willing to die for. And grace, more and more grace was extended to more people. They believed. And when a person believes, what happens? This increases thanksgiving to the glory of God. And so that resurrection will one day be ours. But then third and finally, Paul gives us a contrast between the outward and the inward in verses 16 to 18. In verse 16, he says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. We do not lose heart, even though every day we are dying. You realize that, Right? Every day you're dying. And one day, your heart will stop beating and you will, you'll be dead. That is what's happening to our bodies. Every day we are closer to death and our bodies are wasting away. But do not lose heart over this because something else is happening to believers. And it is this, that the inward is being transformed more and more to the glory of Jesus. What we call sanctification. It's that work of God's free grace that God works with us and by and through His Word and Spirit to conform us more to the image of Christ so that when that day comes and Christ comes in His glory, we will be conformed to His image fully. We are being renewed. The outward is perishing, but the inward is being renewed. Every day we use the the means of grace for that. The Word, prayer, the sacraments on the Lord's Day. To be conformed more to the image of Christ. And then in verses 17 and 18, he says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. Glory. Beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. He says our affliction, whatever it is in this world. Whatever God brings to us is light and but for a moment preparing us for the glory that awaits us. You see, whatever we we suffer in this life pales in comparison to the glory of of the new heavens and the new earth with Jesus. And there are no words that can describe what God has in store for His people. Again, when we we get to our eternal home, the new heavens and the new earth, we, we may well laugh at what we went through in this life. Compared to what we are seeing in. With all the hardship. With all the affliction. Paul says. None of that compares to what awaits us. As God's people. Now that doesn't mean that the affliction we go through is easy in this life. Does it? No it's hard. But if we keep this perspective. We see that that there is something greater that awaits God's people. And that is to be with Christ Forever. In that glory, and, and he reminds us that we are not to be looking at the things that are seen, but to what is unseen. And that's faith, isn't it? Your eyes are so focused on what is is seen. But the things that we see, Paul says, they are transient, they are they are temporary, they are passing away. But those things that we now do not see, those are eternal things. Those are the things that will be with us forever. And so what application can we make? Well, first of all, let me ask you a question. Are you prepared for suffering for the sake of Christ? Now some say, well, we when will it come? We, we don't know, but I do believe it's coming. I, I pray that I'm wrong, but you see all of this in this world. You see what is happening in, in our nation. You see more and more hostility against the church and against ministers and against pastors, even this week in Canada. and uh, that You say, well, I don't live in Canada. Well, not yet. We don't. But there was a law passed that says you cannot... Seek to convert a homosexual out of his homosexuality. It's been banned. Now, what happens when a minister by preaching the word and and praying for such a man who's a homosexual and they see that person come out of that? What happens? Well, he could be arrested. Not death as of yet, but there is a hostility. And this hostility has been around since the fall of man. There's hostility in this world between those who are in power because they want to cling to that power because they know Jesus Christ is truly King of kings and Lord of lords. And they will seek to make the people of God suffer. And so are you prepared for that? Now, when suffering or persecution comes, it comes usually for two reasons. First of all, to weed out unbelievers in the church. Those will be the first to go. What do you mean I can be arrested for saying I'm a Christian? What do you mean I I could die for saying I believe in Jesus? Those are the first ones to go. But then second of all, to bring glory to Christ who suffered and died for us and who may well call us to suffer and die for Him. Again, Jesus tells us that we will be persecuted as He was persecuted. And we shouldn't be surprised by it. But at the same time, we're not to lose heart. We're not to be overwhelmed with with despair. We know we will not be forsaken. We will not be destroyed for for our afflictions again, pale in comparison with glory. So second of all, Christian, even if the world does its worst to us and kills us or enslaves us, persecutes us and, and kills us, we will be raised to glory. All the martyrs who have died for the faith, they died knowing that very fact. And so that should encourage us, shouldn't it, to every day testify of our faith in Jesus Christ, no matter the consequences. No matter what we're being told in this world all, you can't talk about Jesus in the public square. Well, that's what's wrong with our nation, because we don't talk about Jesus in the public square. We've let the, the public square be, be taken over by, by unbelievers, by, by Satanists. This week, Illinois allowed a satanic club to meet after school. Really? We've given over the public square because we're afraid. We're scared of how we'll be viewed. We're scared of what the world will say of us. You know, if we have true faith in Christ, then let the world do its worst to us. For it means we go to be with Christ. And as the Bible tells us, there is a day coming when God Himself, Jesus Himself, will avenge the blood of the martyrs. And He will trample those who have killed His people. Third, Christian, the invisible things are those things that we appropriate by faith in God. Later in the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews gives us a long list of names. Old Testament saints. And he said of each one of those, they saw things and they welcomed them from a distance. They saw an eternal home. They saw Jesus Christ. They saw these things. They welcomed them in faith. And he says to us as believers today that we are to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Christian, are your eyes fixed on Jesus this morning? Every day are they fixed Upon your Lord and Savior. If not, then they should be. And let me ask, do you have the eyes of faith this morning? Have your eyes been opened to the fact that you are in need of this perfect Savior? The one who is the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. The one who opened Saul's eyes on the road to Damascus and took a persecutor of the church and made him into the apostle of apostles in the New Testament who suffered greatly for the sake of his Lord if your eyes been opened this morning is so come to Christ and believe in him and know that you have that treasure, that light of the gospel, in jars of clay, in a body that is perishing, but with a spirit that is being renewed day by day. And so, do not lose heart, for the things that await us are great and wonderful. The eternal waits. Of glory beyond all comparison. and So let us look to those things that are unseen. Again, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We ask that we would put our eyes upon Jesus. We would focus upon Him. We thank You that You have given us lights, That You have opened our eyes so that we know the truth and believe the gospel. And Father, I pray for any here this morning who hasn't done that. That even now Your Spirit would open their eyes and their hearts. That You would bring them to faith in Christ. Lord, no matter what may come to us as your people, may we always know that a greater day awaits us. There's that day where we will enter into that eternal glory with Jesus. May that day come quickly. But until then, O oh Lord, may we be faithful in confessing our faith to all we come into contact with. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.